Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast, the Book of Mormon lecture series that I've got going on here. I'm glad you're back. Today's uh, discussion is going to be on 1 Nephi chapter 15. Um, we've had uh, Nephi's dream now of his father, same same dream that his father had. He's seen that vision, and, and it's been quite panoramic. He even saw the same things that John the Revelator saw and that, that are recorded in the book of Revelation. So now let's get into chapter 15. There's not a whole lot of narrative uh, explanations in 15, so most of this will just be reading the scriptures. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been carried away in the spirit and seen all these things, I returned to the tent of my father. And it came to pass that I beheld my brethren, and they were disputing one with another concerning the things which my father had spoken unto them. So he's probably told them some of the same things that uh, Nephi saw. He's probably explained or told them about his vision, and they're just not getting it not understanding what their father had said. For he truly spake many great things unto them, which were hard to be understood, save a man should inquire of the Lord, and they being hard in their hearts. Therefore they did not look unto the Lord as they ought. And now I, Nephi, was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, and also because of the things which I had seen, and knew they must unavoidably come to pass, because of the great wickedness of the children of men. <clears throat> and it came to pass that I was overcome because of my afflictions, for I considered that mine afflictions were above all were great above all, because of the destruction of my people, for I had beheld their fall. And it came to pass that after I had received strength, I spake unto my brethren, desiring to know of them the cause of their disputations. And they said, Behold, we cannot understand the words which our Father hath spoken concerning the natural branches of the olive tree, and also concerning the Gentiles. Lehi must have been reading to them from the plates of brass. And verse 8, And I said unto them, Have ye inquired of the Lord? And they said unto me, We have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. Behold, I said unto them, How is it that ye do not keep the commandments of the Lord? How is it that ye will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Do ye not remember the things which the Lord hath said? If ye will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence in keeping my commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. This quote must have been on the brass plates. Behold, I say unto you that the house of Israel, or the church, was compared unto an olive tree by the Spirit of the Lord which was in our Father. And behold, are we not broken off from the house of Israel, and are we not a branch of the house of Israel? And now the thing which our Father meaneth concerning the grafting in of the natural branches through the fullness of the Gentiles is that in the latter days, when our seed shall have dwindled in unbelief, yea, for the space of many years, and many generations after the Messiah shall be manifest in body unto the children of men, then shall the fullness of the gospel of the Messiah come unto the Gentiles, and from the Gentiles unto the remnant of our seed, the gospel restored through Joseph Smith, an Ephraimite, living in a Gentile nation. And 14, And at that day shall the remnant of our seed know that they are of the house of Israel, and that they are the covenant people of the Lord. And then shall they know and come to the knowledge of their forefathers and also of the knowledge of the gospel of their Redeemer, which was ministered unto their fathers by him. Wherefore, they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer. 
It is a doctrinal restoration that is promised. The possession of lands is of little importance when compared to the possession of the truths of salvation. The Lamanites are to have restored to them the knowledge that they are of the house of Israel, and as such are rightful heirs of the promises made to the fathers. Of even greater importance, they are to come to a knowledge of Christ and the saving principles of his gospel, as he himself preached those principles to their fathers in this choice land. And that was from Doctrinal Commentaries of the Book of Mormon. And the very, back to verse 14. And the very points of his doctrine that they may know how to come unto him and be saved. Truly our paths have met once more. We a mixed remnant of Israel, principally Ephraim, <clears throat> even referred to as Gentiles, now come forth out of captivity, now only through the grace of Almighty God restored to the blessings of the gospel, that we in turn might be a blessing to the nations of the earth and the Lamanites, also a people of disobedience, now returned to the fold. The Lamanites must rise again in dignity and strength to fully join their brethren and sisters of the household of God in carrying forth his work in preparation for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return to lead his people. That was from President Kimball uh, from the Ensign article of December 1975. Verse 15, And then then at that day will they not rejoice and give praise unto their everlasting God, their rock and their salvation? Yea, at that day will they not receive the strength and nourishment from the true vine? Yea, will they not come unto the true fold of God? True vine and true fold are metaphorical references to Christ and through Christ to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Israel is scattered and lost primarily in a spiritual sense until they have united again with the Church. No true gathering has taken place. Verse 16, Behold, I say unto you, yea, they shall be remembered again among the house of Israel. They shall be grafted in through the waters of baptism, being a natural branch of the olive tree into the true olive tree. And this is what our father meaneth, and he meaneth that it will not come to pass until after they are scattered by the Gentiles, and he meaneth that it shall come by way of the Gentiles, that the Lord may show his power unto the Gentiles for the very cause that he shall be rejected of the Jews or of the house of Israel. Here he's explaining that the timing of the coming forth of these things to the Lamanites will be after they've been scattered, which means after the the Europeans that came to America have scattered the Lamanites uh, across America. And then um, the Gentiles that will be bringing forth the Book of Mormon to them. So this is the church coming forth. So this is giving us an indication of the timing of when all these things are going to be happening. Wherefore our father hath not spoken of our seed alone, but also of the house of Israel, pointing to the covenant which should be fulfilled in the latter days, which covenant the Lord made to our father Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake much unto them concerning these things. Yea, I spake unto them concerning the restoration of the Jews in the latter days. And I did rehearse unto them the words of Isaiah, who spake concerning the restoration of the Jews, or of the house of Israel. And after they were restored, they should no more be confounded, neither should they be scattered again. And it came to pass that I did speak many words unto my brethren, that they were pacified and did humble themselves before the Lord. And it came to pass that they did speak unto me again, saying, What meaneth this thing which our father saw in a dream? What meaneth the tree which he saw? And I said unto them, It was a representation of the tree of life. And they said unto me, What meaneth the rod of iron which our father saw that led to the tree? And I said unto them that it was the word of God. And whoso would hearken unto the word of God and would hold fast unto it, they would never perish. 
Neither could the temptations and the fiery darts of the adversary overpower them into blindness, unto blindness, to lead them away to destruction. Verse 25, Wherefore I, Nephi, did exhort them to give heed unto the word of the Lord. Yea, I did exhort them with all the energies of my soul and with all the faculty which I possessed that they would give heed to the word of God and remember and to keep his commandments always in all things. From Brother Nibley, he says, In this life, nobody is on one side of the gulf or the other. Nobody is safe home. You can always sin. Everybody can. Nephi is going to make that very clear later on. On the other hand, nobody is completely damned because it's never too late to repent as long as you are in the flesh. So we are all in between now and making our choices one way or the other. The worst thing you can do is to assume that you have arrived on one side and your enemy is on the other side, that you're the good guy and he's the bad guy. The whole Book of Mormon is to keep us in this in-between state where we are now. We are sort of balanced there. We find it harrowing and difficult. That's the whole thing. We are supposed to be enjoying the excitement of it. Verse 26, And they said unto me, What meaneth the river of water which our father saw? And I said unto them that the water which my father saw was filthiness, and so much was, in, was his mind swallowed up in other things that he beheld not the filthiness of the water. And I said unto them that it was an awful gulf which separated the wicked from the tree of life and also from the saints of God. And I said unto them that it was a representation of that awful hell, which the angel said unto me was prepared for the wicked. The wicked souls in hell are separated from those in paradise by their works of filthiness and the justice of God. So as it was, as it shows in section 138 of the Doctrine and Covenants that uh, prior to Jesus's death and going into the spirit world, that there was a separation between the righteous and the wicked, where the righteous were not uh, to mingle with the wicked and the wicked could not come to where the righteous were. But when Jesus bridged the gulf and sent missionaries into spirit, par spirit prison, then the, the gulf was bridged. But the, the wicked in spirit in the spirit world are still prevented from visiting with those in the spirit, the, the, those in paradise. Uh, it, the, those in paradise, though, can go to them. It's not the other way around. Verse 30, And I said unto them that our Father also saw that the justice of God did also divide the wicked from the righteous, and the brightness thereof was like unto the brightness of a flaming fire, which ascended up unto God forever and ever, and hath no end. And they said unto me, Doth this thing mean the torment of the body in the days of probation, or doth it mean the final state of the soul after the death of the temporal body? Or doth it speak of the things which are temporal? And it came to pass that I said unto them <clears throat> that it was a representation of things both temporal and spiritual. For the day should come that they must be judged of their works, yea, even the works which were done by the temporal body in their days of probation. Wherefore, if they should die in their wickedness, they must be cast off also as to the things which are spiritual, which are pertaining to righteousness. Wherefore, they must be brought to stand before God to be judged of their works. And if their works have been filthiness, they must needs be filthy. And if they be filthy, it must needs be that they cannot dwell in the kingdom of God. If so, the kingdom of God must be filthy also. But behold, I say unto you, the kingdom of God is not filthy, and there cannot any unclean thing enter into the kingdom of God. Wherefore, there must needs be a place of filthiness prepared for that which is filthy. And there is a place <clears throat> prepared, yea, even that awful hell of which I have spoken. And the devil is the preparator of it. Wherefore, the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God or to be cast out because of that justice of which I have spoken. Wherefore, the wicked are rejected from the righteous and also from, the, from that tree of life, whose fruit is most precious 
and most desirable above all other fruits. Yea, and it is the greatest of all the gifts of God. And thus I spake unto my brethren. Amen. This life, like the one to follow, has its children of light and its children of darkness. The citizens of both kingdoms prepare themselves here for the nature of the society of which they will be a part both in and after death. Also, keep in mind that as we're going through the Book of Mormon, any time that they talk about uh, the righteous and the wicked, they're really using the two extremes, those that will be in the celestial kingdom or those that will become sons of perdition. It's like they don't really talk about those that might inherit the terrestrial or celestial kingdoms in the Book of Mormon. It's either uh, celestial kingdom or outer darkness in to the sons of perdition. There's not any in between. Uh, I want to bear testimony of the truth of the gospel and of the Book of Mormon and uh, of the truths that were taught, and that as we can study the scriptures and, and gain a better understanding of them and not be like Laman and Lemuel that didn't ask for an understanding or an interpretation of the scriptures. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you like this, you can share it, like it, make comments if you want. Thank you. Bye. See you next time.